Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome to season two of the Raj Mahal show. It's been a long time since my last episode, but I'm super excited to be back with you all and to continue to share my conversations with some of the world's most influential brown boys out there. So a little bit of what I've been up to. I've got a new apartment here in San Francisco with some new roommates, which has been pretty dope. Knocked out a couple CPA exams, which has been the death of me, but the near is in sight with that. I uh, went to Coachella with some friends this year too, which was incredible. Dojito Sanjay's performance was absolutely insane. And I was so proud to see him as a fellow South Asian, fellow Indian performer up there on the stage. It was sick seeing Blackpink, Kid Leroy, Willow and Jaden Smith. Willow brought out Jaden Smith, which was super, super cool. And they had a little moment on stage, which was amazing. Seeing Skrillex, who I haven't seen since 10 years ago when I saw them in 2013. That was also nostalgic. That was awesome. All in all, it was just a killer time. Super excited that I went. I have gotten a lot more involved with AIF, the American Indian Foundation here in the Bay Area. And that has been a great experience. I've met so many new people, have gotten some amazing opportunities. Recently, a friend and I from AIF, Vivek, along with the rest of the uh, leadership team, we had the chance to host a panel of South Asian entrepreneurs and kind of hear about their experiences and how they went about kind of finding their company or their craft and, uh, you know, how, what their path to success was like. We're going to get some of them on the podcast in the, in the future, but all in all, that was a super dope experience. And with the AIF, you know, we've got some sick events coming up like Jungly Beach, which is a collab with Subtle Curry Dating, which is one of the largest online communities for the South Asian diaspora. Uh, most of us are on it. Most of us have probably seen our friends on it. And it's a fun way to kind of matchmake your friends and, you know, have fun. This is going to be June 23rd at Slate Bar in San Francisco. After that, we've got Bollywood Trivia Night, which, you know, the name gives away. This is going to be one of our token events that we host every year. And we usually get a huge crowd for this. So we're super excited to kind of bring this back and host. This is going to be July 20. This is going to be July 8th. And then lastly, we've got our AIF Gala on August 5th. Theme this year is Jaipur Nights. And this is our grand ball event where everyone dresses up. Everyone, you know, comes and shows up for a little cocktail party, cocktail hour. And, you know, we just all have a great time. And, you know, all the proceeds from all these events will go to various initiatives in India. So you're not going to want to miss any of these. And if you're looking to for ticks or for details, Follow AIF BP on IG or message me on my Instagram and I can set you guys up. Uh, lastly, I appreciate all you guys for listening. I'm super excited to bring the podcast back and to start again and focus on putting out some more content and continuing to talk to influential brown, brown boys out there. So please hit that subscribe button and now let's get to it. This is the Raj Mahal Show. Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome back to season two of the Raj Mahal Show. It's been a little while, but I'm excited to bring this back and keep the keep the movement going of hearing from uh, influential South Asians, influential South Asian men in our community. So without further ado, I'm excited to welcome my friend and guest, Anish. Anish, welcome, man. Thank you, bro. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, man. Excited to have you as well. Yeah. So let's just jump right into it, man. Let's do we it. Got the, we got a playoff game to catch. So. <laughs> game seven. Yes, sir. Excited to hear from you. So, just like, I want to hear from you, kind of where you're from, what your background is. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a little background of Anish before he gets into it himself. A rapper from, uh, graduated from MIT, gave up uh, his, 
life in corporate America to pursue music full time. Lo- loads to hear from from this guy, so we're really excited. So yeah, want to get into it? Appreciate it, man. Yeah, so you know, a pr- pretty good summary already. Um, I'm from Denver, Colorado, and um, you know, my my parents, my my dad is from Bombay, my mom is from Mauritius. Um, they had an arranged marriage, which is probably not unlike not uncommon for a lot of people from the South Asian heritage or similar uh, cultures. Um, they moved here in the 80s. Uh, my dad was studying, um, doing engineering, electrical engineering, computer science. He ended up at the University of Denver and it's been basically there ever since. And um, you know, I grew up there, you know, went to school in Boston, as you mentioned, and then uh, moved out to the Bay Area about seven years ago for a job uh, in FinTech. Pursued that for a little bit and then um, you know, music was a hobby. It was something I did for fun. I, I started in the end of uh, end of college, basically, with, with my good friend Yusuf. Um, you know, we started re- freestyling, doing stuff, just messing around with mics. And then, uh, you know, one thing led to the next. We were able to open for Jeremiah, the um, R&B artist, at our school's like uh, Spring Fest concert. Moved out here to the Bay. Started really going to the studio. Started taking it a little more seriously. Found that I really loved it, enjoyed it. Um, you know, went through a few experiences out here too. A little bit of heartbreak and. Uh, I found that music saved me. You know, music really like helped me get out of that dark, you know, dark place. And uh, at that point, I realized I wanted to make it something more than just a, just a hobby. And um, that was 2017. You know, we've been doing it ever since. And um, just a few things that I've been able to accomplish is, you know, I was able to do merch. Was able to open for some big artists like, um, you know, uh, Fateh, the the hip hop uh, Canadian yeah. rapper, and then um, also did a, a five city tour last year. We did. SFLA, Denver, uh, DC, and New York was able to open or was able to uh, headline a lot of those shows. And, you know, we had a good little turnout, probably say like 100 people per show. So it's really cool to just see like the progress that we've made. Um, And I'm grateful for just a lot of people, you know, just a lot of really amazing people who supported me along the way my family, my team, um, my friend Tim, who was my my first artist manager. And, you know, grateful just for what's to come. And I, I just think at the end of the day, uh, if you have an idea and you have a vision, all you got to do is, you know, put it into put a plan in place and then execute. So just it's been crazy. The journey since 2015 has been like eight years. Nice, man. Yeah, no, that's super dope. It's kind of cool, too. My, my parents, when they first came, my mom, when they, she first came to the U.S., she settled in Denver as well. So Oh, cool, man. Yeah, like we've got our... I, I always like to, I always used to think that like my parents or like my, my grandparents were like the first like Indian family to kind of settle in Denver. So it's kind of like started it. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of wild. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. So I wanted to get a little more. So you, you mentioned your team. Obviously, like a support network is huge for to for move sure. to move this forward. Like, for sure. Can you talk a little bit more about like your who's on your team and like how you kind of put that all together? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll just I'll just kind of start from like where I was in 2015. You know, I had. Um, I had some a, a few key people that really like pushed me. I would say, um, wild story, but uh, I was in an Uber one day to work, and um, the Uber driver was basically like asking me where I was going. I was like, I'm going to work. I was like, what do you do? It somehow got to the conversation where we were asking each other like what we did. So I was explaining to him like I work in tech, and huh. and then I was like, what do you do? He's like, you know, I do Uber. I'm a rapper. I was like, you're a rapper, and uh, you know, I said I'm a rapper too. And he looked at me, and I'm wearing a freaking Patagonia and some like black pants and he's like you rap and so had a conversation with him and then um you know his name's Adante he's a good friend of mine he lives in Detroit now but he ultimately was the catalyst to everything that happened he he put me in touch with um the right people that's how I met my artist manager and then I also say my friend Varun who grew up with me in Denver we used to play basketball 
I like realized he was out here in the Bay oh, yeah. and um, he put an album out and then he introduced me to like the studio that I was at and so I would say those two guys are my big catalyst for like pushing me forward and then obviously my friend Yusuf in college him and I like would, would rap all the time and he would you know push me to be just a better artist better person um, in terms of my team now um, I essentially manage myself um, I'm, I'm self-managed I have a, a, a lawyer uh, a, a music lawyer his name is, is Mark he's phenomenal he's worked with some pretty big people in the industry he's been around for a while um, I have a videographer his name is Kyle um, he's really awesome and uh, I've been working with him for a few years he's in LA um, and uh, also shout out to Brian who's my first videographer too he, he does acting and he's in LA too um, and then I have a so I have a lawyer I have, a, I have an engineer she's awesome um, my first engineer, his name was Jorge. He was awesome. He taught me so much. And then he moved to Puerto Rico. Uh -huh. He's back and forth now. So I worked with him for a few years. Um, then I worked with uh, Leanne. I'm working with Leanne now. She's my second engineer. Um, and she's also like really amazing. Both of them are cool. They um, they work with G-Eazy. G-Eazy's, nice. they're like they're like main engineers. Wow. And okay. they're just, they have a wealth of knowledge and very different styles. And I've just learned so much from both of them. But definitely appreciate them. Want to shout them out. And then... Um, I have a mastering engineer in, um, I think, New Jersey. His name's Adam. Okay. So that's kind of my music team. And then my production is, I do my production myself. Okay. Um, I have my legal team. I have my videographer. And then I have a wealth of different people who do, like, my camera work and do yeah. photos for me. Um, Vikram is one of my, my, my good friends. He's, he's out here. He's, a, he's my camera guy. But um, it just really depends. And then I have uh, a huge, like, network of just random people that I've met, like, um, I know some of the folks at Brick and Mortar, like um, Gerald and AJ, they like run the venue there. So, you know, they give me opportunities if I want to like learn how to work the cash box or if I want to um, learn how to do tickets there. I like learn the industry and I get to meet people there too. So that's a good way. And then um, another guy named Ryan, he's like a, he is another, he used to have a podcast yeah. for like freestyling and stuff. Um, so he used to go do that. So. And then, um, you know, I have other friends like Kahook and all that, like that freestyle. So I would say like the the team out here is pretty strong. I have a good network and I feel like I'm always expanding and I'm always learning. Mm -hmm. um, and um, obviously my sister has been a huge supporter. She's in a lot of my music. She's like a yeah. feature artist. She sings a lot. So um, I have a good group of people here. I obviously have my friends and my family who support me. But I think honestly just with finding a team, kind of the biggest piece of advice I can give somebody who's trying to do it is like... Have a, have a test period where you just like work with somebody for like maybe like a few months and like give them things to do and just test it out and see how it goes yeah and don't commit and just you know just like don't 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 like lock yourself into the mindset of like I'm gonna be working with this person for like 50 years think about it like hey let's just do one project take it one th one step at a time and then if it works well if, if it's a good relationship I think you you know you take it from there you know you don't need to jump jump ahead and like feel like you're locked into something because I think that's like for me it's just I just go off a of vibe. If I feel like it's a good vibe and they're like they're a good person and they do good business, like I'll, I'll definitely work with them again. So yeah, for sure. No, that's super interesting. I uh, want to shout out your friend Varun. He's got a good name. Oh so yeah, that's my first name actually. Oh, is that really your first yeah. name? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, shout out Varun, man. Yeah, for Hell sure. Yeah. Um, so I know you mentioned so your your engineers. You said they 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 had also worked with GZ or they work with GZ. Yeah. I want to kind of ask like who are your musical kind of influences oh good question and uh, I also want to know if you got any Desi influences too absolutely um, I would say just off top like some of the like Desi artists that I, I follow that I really love are like uh, Raja Kumari 
She's a huge one. Um, Anik Khan, huge one. Um, I, I ran into them at some shows that they did and went live shows and then I've met their management teams and they're awesome and you know, I've stayed in touch with them. Really, really awesome like people and just their backgrounds and the amount of like struggle that they've overcome to basically be in the industry. Like I know with Raja Kumari, she just basically like, you know, she was born, I think she's born in LA and she like has an audience in India, but like, I feel like she's just taking off in the US, people are just learning about her. She's huge in India and then like, Nikon, like, he had passport issues, so he was never able to, like, go internationally and perform, but he had huge, like, hits abroad. Yeah. But now he was able to figure that out, and then I'd say, like, Fat Day is a huge one as well, just with how he conducts himself and, um, you know, being able to open with him and, like, learn just his process of how he, you know, finds shows and, and all that. So I would say those are the three Daisy ones, and obviously there are, there are definitely more, I would say, out there. There's just so many artists to name. Those yeah. are the three main ones, and then... In terms of just other like non Daisy influences, some artists that I really love are like, um, I love Jack Harlow, I love Big Sean, I love just how they talk about authenticity and spirit. And um, Big Sean is my dream collab, probably. Big Sean, um, yeah. Jack, Jack Harlow is one of my favorites because, um, you know, we have the same birthday, March 13th, so oh, yeah. got the whole Pisces thing going. And um, I just love just the uh, sort of authenticity and bravado he has in his music. Um, there's another artist named Bazanji. He's like a, a dentist turned hip hop artist. He went to dental school, but like he was like gonna drop out, but like he got in, so he decided to go, and then he blew up while he was in dental school. Yeah. So he's doing it full time now, but um, he's a huge influence of mine, and I really love. I've gotten some comparisons to him as well, and then uh, I would say kind of the last one is Nipsey Hussle. Nipsey. He's a huge uh, influence. Rest in peace, with like, yeah. yeah, rest in peace, man. Like I remember when when we when he passed, like I think I cried like four times that day because it was like. It was devastating because just the blueprint that he's laid out for us as artists and just the way the the, amount, the, the way that he conducts himself with like truth and authenticity, I really respect that because I think like that's like something that like being an artist, it's a very unique process because I feel like sometimes whenever like I conduct myself outside of the music, like I always have to be truthful. Like that's like the number one thing in my life. So if I ever feel like I'm lying to somebody or if I'm like lying to others or lying to myself, it better be good reason, but usually, like, it's hard to do that when you're an artist and you're kind of speaking your truth. Mm-hmm. And I've just kind of learned to just be comfortable with who I am, live my truth, and you know, the right people will, will, will surround themselves, and the right, you know, you'll 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 figure out who your who your tribe is by your vibe, right? So, your yeah. vibe attracts your tribe, and you know, I think all of these artists have something unique that they've shown me about who they are as people, and I think I can take that and uh, channel that into my music and who I am as a person. So, no, I'd say for those sure, are the main ones. Yeah, no, that that's dope. I wanted to say so I was I was just at Coachella weekend weekend two mm. and like so the, the main reason I decided to go this year um, was because Diljito Sanj was performing. Yes, yes, and yes. I've like fairly recently, especially since like my my old roommate, you know, he moved to New York, but like I when, when I was living with him, I started hanging out a lot with his college friends and like they became like some of my best friends here in the city. Totally, and they all love Diljit and like they kind of got me on to Diljit my other friend um, from SAC got me on to like some other Punjabi music like with Siddhu Musewala AP Dillon yeah all those guys yeah and man so just like seeing Diljit live and like granted like I don't speak Punjabi I think just kind of like my familiarity with Hindi allows me to understand it a little bit at least mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. in that setting you know like Diljit doesn't speak any doesn't he didn't speak it much English on the stage and whatnot and yeah. like everything was in Punjabi but just like seeing him on one of the biggest music festival stages 
for me. Like, I was getting emotional staying there and, like, just not even, even not even really when he's talking, understanding, but you kind of almost feel like you kind of hear what he's saying. And, like, mm. and basically, like, kind of, he, what are you saying? It's just like, it's just, when he, you know, when he said, Punjabi aga e Coachella hoy, like, yeah. you know, Punjab has made it here to, like, the world's biggest music stage. And yeah. I mean, like, I, I was just such in my feels during that whole set. And, like, that was just, Unreal to wow. see. I mean, he just puts on a show. Yeah, he does. Yeah, like so. I, I actually wanted to hear from you, like as a fellow musician, like yeah. what did it mean to you to see a man from India, Diljit Dosanjh, on the Coachella stage? Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. I think. Uh, I mean, first of all, that's pretty unique. You got to see that live experience. Yeah. That it's a pretty special like moment to soak in. It's very historical. Yeah. It's um, it's, you know, it's a flagship moment. I think. For me, just I would say a lot of you know a lot of pride. I think uh, you know I don't. To be quite honest, I don't listen to too much of Diljit's music. Uh, I I'm not a huge super fan. At the same time, I can totally appreciate just what he's done for our culture, what he's done to pave the way. He's basically a trailblazer in doing what he's doing. And I think you know like they say, it's much harder to be the first person to do something, right? Because like yeah. you have to go through all of the sort of. Um, hurdles to basically make something happen like it's like um i what comes to mind is just like uh when like jay-z had like the hard knock life sample he cleared yeah. the sample so that every other artist could use it moving forward right so like it's the same thing with with dilji just basically blazing that trail to like make it easier now for like people like me and you to to have the opportunity to you know showcase our talents to showcase who we are as people in front of a crowd and i think like I like to be honest. I don't know how many people I had that were like uh, heroes growing up for me that looked like me, right? Like I didn't know of like I, it was a foreign concept for me to like be an artist. And it's not even just like my parents being like you can't be an artist. It was just like I didn't know differently. You know, that's all I had known was like doctors, engineers, lawyers, um, financial professionals, etc. So it's like the idea that the idea of doing music didn't really become a reality until like. I started to see progress within our like sort of community of like oh we actually have people like Hassan Minaj yeah we actually have people like Aziz we have people like um, Mindy Kaling we have you know just like people that are actually like doing really big things and pioneering you know uh, the way that our entertainment industry is, is structured and formed and yeah. honestly I'm appreciative of everything like Diljit's done because I think for me I will study that blueprint and I will like try to understand like okay what did he do that like was 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 right and i think you know he's putting a lot of people onto like punjabi music and just yeah. who he is as a person so i hope that people even outside of the south asian community can start to kind of appreciate wow. what we are and who we are as people you know and i think that's that's the big thing too besides yeah. just the pride of him trailblazing i think it's like people are getting to know who we are now as our identity and i think you know that's that's something that stands out to me which is like you know, it's it's uh, it's another story that I feel like hasn't been told and it's starting to be told now. Yeah. You know, so we're getting our perspectives out there, which is important. For sure, yeah. I mean, and then, like even even like during his set, man, there was like obviously there's tons of Indian people there, but yeah. there's also people from all over the world there. I mean, I was right in front of me was a guy from like the Netherlands, and it's funny too because like I don't think he spoke English too well. And, That's like, awesome. 
you know, we just kind of like, we just kind of like basically got back and forth. That like, we're here for Diljeet. And like, everyone thought I was one of those people too that wasn't Indian, just enjoying the music. Yeah, when I met you the first time, I didn't know if you were Indian, <laughs> to be honest. I'll be real. Yeah, man. <laughs> and it's funny too, because like, usually I kind of like entertain that when I get into like a crowd of people. That's like, awesome. There's some people next to me that kind of like, oh my God, like, look at all look at all these white people around. That's so funny. And like, kind of looked at me too. He's like, yo, you, you're here for Diljeet? And I was like, yeah, I am. That's don't, funny. Don't man. talk to me. I'm focused yeah, on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah, don't bother me. <laughs> and they saw me like vibe, and they're like, "Oh my god, he he actually is here for the G." Yeah, yeah. Are you from Ireland? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not. It, it was so lit though. But uh, no, that's amazing for sure. Yeah. Um, and you actually, so you just kind of touched on this, and I really want to dig more into yeah, this yeah, let's because do it. you know I I can definitely understand how you know we we both got Indian parents and like the pressure that we feel to like pursue like what that traditional career is. And yeah. Now I. I would say I probably pursued it. You you definitely look go went a different way. So right. I definitely want to know like how did you end up pursuing that, like, like through how did you navigate the pressures and like the if you got backlash like oh yeah anything, for like, sure how how was that because I mean to, to put it in perspective too like you know yeah you you're an MIT grad yep went to one of the best engineering schools one of the best tech, one of the best schools whatever in the in in the country yeah uh, got a job in fintech here in the Bay yeah and you know you put all that to the side to pursue pursue what you really wanted your passion so i'm really curious to kind of hear like how your parents accepted that how your parent how your family those people around you who maybe had told you not to do it like how did you convince them or like move past that or what was that like for you that's a great question um and i think where to start with this would be a little bit of context so um i grew up in a family where um a lot of my like extended family members whether it's my cousins whether it's my like grandparents my parents a lot of them were like in business business people um, we had some doctors my sister's a doctor she's older than me right so like that's also ironically I thought I was gonna be the doctor in the family she ended up the, as the doctor <laughs> so there was that and I just think like it's not that my parents didn't want me to succeed in whatever I did I think there was just like this idea like you're going to go in a job that's basically going to give you the ability to have a, a long-term sustainable future where like you don't have to worry about money you know and you have a st that stability so like i think there were like three or four careers that came to mind my parents never really forced me they were never like you need to do this or you need to do that they always just honestly my dad well he just told me like learn just learn learn things soak in knowledge just learn your sharpen your skills that's all and then my mom always would just preach us like, you know, make sure you take care of yourself, be happy, you know, do whatever you need to do. So the subject was not really broached until I would say like 2018, 2019. I was kind of going through this like sort of, I don't want to say midlife crisis. I think I was like 25 around the time, so like this quarter life crisis <laughs> yeah. where I was realizing that I really wanted to do music because um, after I graduated, I took a job at a at a company in fintech and I just realized it wasn't for me and um, I tried a few companies and I just working for someone was really difficult and um, I just found that music just it was fun it came to me so easily I had so many stories I wanted to tell um, and so like with all that said I think just like at like 2019 I hit this juncture where I like talked to my parents and I was like it was really hard my sister was on like the phone with me and we were telling my parents, like, hey, I want to pursue music. And my dad didn't really, like, he was a little confused, I guess. He was like, it's fine. Music's like a hobby. Like, don't do it. Like, don't, you know, don't, like, focus on that. You should build your skills, which I completely understand as a parent. 
you'd want that. So our parents were a little confused. And then, like, I didn't really, like, bring the subject up with them again. The way I did it was, like, I just started showing them my music. Like, I started just showing them things. I was like, hey, uh, you want to come to my show, right? So they came to my tour last year when I had my show, my closing show in Denver. Um, Nice. Yeah. Yeah, which was awesome. It was on Mother's Day. And I got to do a song to my mom for that. And yeah. like the venue was called your mom's house. It was like all I didn't plan any of that, by the way. It was all kinda nice. And in in any case, to kinda answer the question, really I would say like the pushback was like it was this constant like thing at kind of the back of my head, like I have to show, not tell. Mm-hmm. And like my parents kinda didn't really want to hear about it. They wanted to see if I was gonna be make progress. And my parents like bought merch, like they're super supportive of, of me doing music. I think they just want to make sure I'm stable, you know. So until I like show that I can really do this, yeah, you know, I'm gonna have to, uh, I have to keep it on the low and kind of doing that. But you know, I think there was pushback, and I also think like at some points I questioned if I really wanted to do it. Yeah, I've taken breaks. I've kind of you know navigated it that way. But you know, ultimately, I think if you're in a job that makes you unhappy, and you find that your skill sets and your excitement lie elsewhere, it doesn't make sense to go against like the universe and your and your intuition and pursue something that you're not happy about. Yes, I do have degrees in engineering and finance, but like those things don't necessarily make me happy. And I feel like I'm personable. I enjoy being around people. I enjoy making music. So, you know, I, I feel like I need to be doing something more than just being behind a desk. Mm-hmm. And if I am being behind a desk, I would want to interact with more people or I would want to, you know, do something where I can share how I'm feeling and inspire and so yeah I've kind of like started to craft the life that I want to live and um, I'm committed to it and I think just at the end of the day you just have to make that decision of like what are you willing to give up in the short term in order to have the long term success and sustainability that you want so yeah give you a little example just I know this is kind of not part of the question but it's it's also part of the question in terms of like for sure I want to like be a musician right and like what is that going to take so like I stopped drinking Okay. I like cut out sugar. I exercise every day, basically. I go to sleep on time. I like eat healthy. Um, all of these things are, are starting to add up and helping me like build the right routine, build the right focus. And um, I think you need good habits if you're going to make a lot of progress. And I'm at the age now. I'm like almost thirty, basically. Where like I feel like I have to do or die now with what I'm doing right so like if I don't make progress in the next four or five years my window of like being a musician will close because I feel like you know you can only do this so long right and I think yeah that's where I've realized I need to really commit to this yeah so like I kind of kind of been more about like doing not telling showing not speaking about it because I feel like you know you just have to go and do it and show people and so yeah, I think to answer your whole question, like I have gotten pushed back. It's been a hard journey. I've questioned it many times, and I think the thing that's kept me motivated to do it is like I feel I have some perspective to share. I feel I have a path that I've taken that is probably not the path a lot of people would have taken. But at the end of the day, I just want to remind people you gotta you gotta follow your heart and you gotta follow what makes you happy and you gotta tell powerful stories. You gotta inspire people and you gotta ultimately do what you know you want to do and. I know it's crazy to step away from a life of comfort. I, I know it's crazy to just like take a path that's like completely like, what are you doing is what a lot of people would say. But I trust that this path is going to work out so much that I think like regardless of what happens, like I'll figure it out. 
Mm -hmm. I think you just have to you get to a point where you have that confidence in yourself and you know like things will turn out the way you want them to you just have to keep working yeah no I mean that's that's super inspirational to hear I mean I'm reading this book right now Atomic Habits that oh, kind of like book. yeah that kind of like goes into detail about that like about mm. how like the, the key to success really is like aiming to get that 1% better every single day and mm -hmm. how like the inverse if you get 1% worse every day yeah. is much more catastrophic to your growth so it's like it's it's pretty it's it's pretty insane how like even being a former athlete like how much just structure routine and just like discipline I mean giving up give, giving up drinking is like it's impressive I think I've I, never I think done it this is my first well this is my first serious time doing it yeah yeah so. like it's it's hard because it's all this all the social like gatherings that are like involved like that involve drinking like Dude. and I mean people don't do it and, like I. I I know it's not like a like an unusual thing completely, but yeah. I definitely think it's hard, especially like if you were like casual and then you enjoyed it in the past. Like yeah, you get handed drinks, especially being in the entertainment industry all the sure, time, yeah. and people are always around doing that. And it's like I can't tell you like in a week, in the last week, I've probably been asked like eight times, "Do you want a drink?" And I'm drink, like, no. yeah. And I mean, ultimately, it's it's your decision how you want to live. But I've I've been like, I know my personality, and I know if I dive in once. It's gonna become a, a habit. Yeah. If I do it once, I'm just like, let me just. Yeah, but I hear you, man. Like, there's just some things like, cause I'm like, to your point of the atomic habits. There's like some stuff you kind of have to do in order to reach that next level. Yeah. And for me, it's not feeling like I'm tired or hungover or energetically drained when I wake up the next morning. Yeah. Cause I have that extra energy now. Like today, I felt great. I was out last night with some of my friends, just hanging out with them. A little bit late, but. Like I, I got here. We got, you know, we were able to do this. So I feel like you just have to, you just have to commit. You just have to stay focused, stay committed, stay grounded, and I think just keep working. And you know, at some point, the work will speak for itself. Yeah. You know, so. No, that's great. Um, I think you, you, you may have touched on this a little bit too, but like, yeah. it seems like you know, it's you've taken it's taken you a while to get to this position, or you know, you've gotten it took some work to get to this position of yeah. like these are my this is my routine, this is what's going to take. Yeah. Now, I think along the way, a lot of self-criticism has probably come as part of that. So, yeah. how do you, like, and I think you briefly touched on, like, your, your mental space and all that stuff, too, but, like, this is obviously a very, like, laborious industry that yeah. you're in, and it takes a lot to get to the top. How do you navigate self-criticism and kind of keep everything in balance and in check and perspective for yourself? It's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a good, it's a really good question. I mean, I think... First of all, you have to you have to have grace of like it's okay. Like I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be Drake tomorrow, right? I'm not gonna be so and so. Like you have to realize like you only have to be the best version of you. And to be honest, I actually think the hardest part of doing music is not even like the product itself and the music and the criticism. It's the sticking through when stuff gets tough. Of like this didn't this song did not sound good. And like, I've, I've just seen a lot of people just give up or quit, mm -hmm. right? And like, here's the other thing. If you're doing something and it's not working, you gotta change up what you're doing, right? And that's part of me building my routine. That's part of me trying and experimenting with different sounds. That's me like working with different people. So I, I think to your point, like self-criticism is natural. I think part of it too is like, there's like this like naivety that you have when you start doing like music I, I feel like and you think you're the greatest thing ever and it happened to me and then like I got criticism from people and I, I didn't take it well mm -hmm. I was like wait what like you don't think I'm that good and then I started to question myself 
and then I was like wait maybe I'm not that good and then I realized I was not even recording in a studio once I started recording in a studio everything sounded way better and I, re- I knew I had the talent like I knew I was able to rap I knew I could do all that stuff it just didn't sound sonically good so it was like I was doing it in the like like bedroom of my like college dorm so like the quality of the audio didn't sound good and I equated that to like I don't have the talents as a hip hop artist mm-hmm. which wasn't the case so I think I became critical and I think honestly like I also learned how to rap around the way along the way like I was I taught myself like I, I watched artists listen to artists studied them I think just like over time like I, I got comfortable with like my flows who I am what I want to say and that took that took the journey of self-discovery and I think my music got better when I realized who I was because when I realized who I was I knew what stories I wanted to say I knew like what styles I wanted to do I knew what beats I wanted to rap over so then I basically had some a, a clear vision of exactly the brand of artists that I want to be and what I want to say and to your point like the criticism's always there. I'm still critical of myself. I'd say I'm even more critical of myself than I used to be because I saw I hold myself to a very high standard. Like, I think I used to be like, oh, this is fine. But like now, I'll give you an example. I go to the studio and like, there's probably 50 things that I can pick out in a song that I don't like that probably 99% of people won't hear, right? And that's how critical I am. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's a pop in the song at two, oh, two minutes and five seconds I hear there's a pop in the left ear when I listen to it so I'll go to my engineer and I'll like give her notes right and like between me and her we're probably the only two people in the group that, that if you brought in like 50 people me and her would probably be the only two people that could hear that right so to that to your point that level of maniacal detail is beautiful because like it teaches you to hold yourself to higher standard where like if it doesn't sound like J. Cole or Drake or Kendrick like I don't want to put this song out which is good at the same time, you have to know when to let go. Okay. Like, you can't be doing a song for, like... I mean, you could, I guess, in theory. But, like, you put it, you do a song for, like, four years. You do 80 versions of it. And then you're just like, oh, I don't want to put it out. Maybe that is the method to the madness. Like, I know Kanye did stuff like that where he would re-record it a hundred times and then realize, take it a different direction. Okay. Totally cool. But I feel like you kind of have to just, like, trust that it's a good song let it go. Mm-hmm. And realize most people are not going to notice all the little details. So, like... To even get to the point where you can talk about these little details that most people won't know, mm-hmm. you got to do the low-level work of like learning who you are as an artist, learning the style, catching like the, the bigger mistakes of like okay, this sounds too loud, this sounds too quiet, stuff like that, right? So my whole point is like, you find beauty in the process, and I'm at this point now where I feel very like calm and focused, and I found beauty in the process of actually being a musician. And I think the powerful thing about that is I'm not so concerned about like getting the songs done. I'm just trying to enjoy the process of making the yeah. music when I feel inspired to say something. When I feel and that's another key is like I don't write every day. I only write when I'm feeling like I want to say something powerful and usually my songs turn out a lot better because I actually have something to say rather than forcing something out of my my my, uh, my brain every day. So um, to your point like the self-criticism's always always there. I think you just become better at dealing with it and then you like sometimes I'm a little jaded where I'm like people come up to me and they tell me like oh your music is so good and like you have so many fans blah blah and like I've kind of learned to be very even keel because I also get opposite things where people don't like my stuff Yeah. and I think you just have to stay level headed you know and I think it's good to get both you just have to realize like you can't care what people are going to say because if you do that's actually going to be like the 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 hindrance of your progress like 
I get different feedback from everybody every day. Like, I like this, I didn't like this. And you have to have the self-awareness to know what you need to work on. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not good. I need to be better at rapping. I need to be better at beats. I need to be better at that. And it's a constant, like, 1% that you were telling me about. Like, you're not going to notice it over, like, one day or one week. You might notice it over six months when you go back and reevaluate, though, right? So, like, six-month periods, that sort of thing. So, I think just, like, you get to a level where you realize, like, wow, I've made it so far. And then you can start to give back and add value to other people who are starting an industry, which is, you know, my goal and what I want to do. But, yeah, man, I think just... The criticism is always going to be there. It's natural. It's healthy. It's how you become great. It's how you don't accept the first version of whatever you do. You want to do four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like the the recent EP that I dropped called ATL. Mm-hmm. I think I did forty versions of that first song over like eight months. I think I just worked on it, worked on it, where I was just happy with it. And I think you just got to let things breathe. You know, you got to like realize you're putting something out that's going to last forever. Yeah. So you want to do a good job at it. That's kind of how I think about self criticism. I'm like. If I put this out right now, like, would I be happy with it? No. And if it's bothering you usually, like, usually go follow the, follow your gut. And for me, like, I usually follow just how I feel. Like, if I don't like this part in the song or I don't like this, I'll tell my engineer, like, and that's, like, the beauty of working with an engineer who give, who allows me to have the feedback. Mm-hmm. I think you just got to be, like, you can't be afraid when you're a musician or a creative to pick apart everything you just built yeah. and to actually, like, peel back the layers and see how you can, like, fix it and internalize it and arrange it and all that So. Yeah, you, you also got to be your biggest supporter in the same breath. Like You also got to believe in yourself a lot. Like You got to be like, okay, I'm humble. I don't know everything, but at the same time, nah, like, I am that guy and I got to continue to do that. I got to continue to believe in myself, even when no one else does. Oh, dude. Yeah. One no, fan at a time, man. So Yeah, that's the... That, that that's kind of also where I'm at with this podcast too. Mm. You know, like you you've got so many dreams of like yeah. know, being the next Joe Rogan and stuff too, but like, mm. you're just keeping things in like in check and, I, and I'm really like what I just try to keep is like you know I could you know I'm really appreciative to all the listeners but you know it's it's never I want to get a thousand listeners for know? sure it's just for me the my, my premise for starting this was just for this is like my audio journal like I just want to have document be able to document and record all the conversations I have with the people I have on the show and so like that's when you just kind of keep like your I felt like you keep your the reason you started something the reason you pursued something in the first place as the center of why you're doing it mm. it just makes it so much easier to kind of like mm. stay stay in line and i mean i've i've gotten some negative feedback on stuff too and like it's it sucks to hear sometimes too because like people are not always the nicest and like we'll just kind of like no. you, you also sometimes i think the other thing too is you gotta like you gotta pick and choose who you take advice from and who 100%. you listen to 100 like and I, I i've learned this fairly recently you know like yeah if I was listening I saw this on Instagram it was like a reel from Kevin Hart and he was just talking about like if you let someone who has no importance in your life or no like just has no has no likes someone who doesn't know anything about podcasting or anything like that it's like you asking me how to do a podcast and me asking you how to be a musician like that yeah, doesn't make I, sense and I give you advice on it and it's like yeah you know if I, if I let that bother me it's actually more of a reflection on me you know it's like yeah, it's, if yeah. you let someone like that bother you that has no importance, like that's on you, not them. Just, I don't know if you've seen the movie Three Idiots. The of end, of, end of the movie when when they're running or whatever, and he's like, "Follow excellence, and success will chase you like pants down pants or whatever." Down. Yeah, you know, and that connects exactly to what you're saying. Is like, you have to enjoy the process, and you have to enjoy just like the muscle of like constantly like. Because you're an athlete, you are a former athlete, you understand the work that it takes, right? And like, 
you're not going to get the six pack. You're not going to get like whatever you want to get if you're so focused on the outcome. Exactly. And you're not putting the work in. And the people don't understand this, bro, but like the, the, the outcome itself is just a reflection of all the work. Yeah. And you just have to like, you can't cut corners. You can't like, you can't cheat the process. You have to do the work. You have to do everything. If you don't do it, like it will show at the end of the day. They will see you didn't put this work in. Like, so to your point, like, you can't care about what anyone else is doing. You have to have your blinders on. You have to focus. And you just have to, like, go and do it. Like, yeah. people are like, how do I become, like, the biggest artist? How do I start a podcast? How do I do this? Start. Just do start. it. Just do it. Yeah. Just exercise the brain, the muscle. Just continue to take radical action, and you will be way farther than somebody who's planning and thinking and in their head. And, like, I don't – like, action is the most powerful thing in the world. Atomic habits, yeah. Is it's that what like, that's what it says, right? Yeah, basically, okay. you got to start small and you got to make attainable goals. Start small, you know. You can't just say start. A, I want to start a podcast. You know, you need to get a mic first. <laughs> get a mic first, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Also, just like going going off of what you were saying too, like I wanted to also like quote like one of my favorite quotes was from Kobe because I know you're a Laker fan. Um, when LeBron he was, fan, but yeah, by exception, Laker <laughs> fan. Yeah, I take it. I take it. Go but ahead. you know, when when he had his jersey <laughs> retirement and he was speaking to. Gianna and Natalia and his daughters like, yeah, yeah, yeah. when he said like those times when and I I, I, I hate to misquote it so just, yeah no you're good you know, I'm gonna just kind of share the essence of it when he's just like you know those times when you wake up early you don't want to those times when you stay up late and you don't want to yep. that's actually the dream like that's the dream not 100%. not not the titles not the banners you know it's waking up right like that that just really hit for me like when he's like Kobe Bryant you know Wow. Arguably the GOAT for many people. Like, you know, yeah. he said the dream wasn't the championships. It was just getting up early when other people weren't outworking people. I mean, that's just so Dude. inspiring. It's, it's, it's pretty unreal. I mean, I'll tell you this. So you, you bring up, this is very relevant to where I am right now in my life. And I told you I've made all these adjustments in order to put myself in a place to be successful. And I think the joy that I'm finding out right now, the first time I'm finding this joy in my life, I'm almost 30. I was like, I love my routine, man. I love getting up. I love like working. I love doing things. I love like making progress. And I love just like being in that moment where I am like getting up early or staying up late and actually like out working. I think once you get to that point, you find that there's a lot of peace and clarity that you have. And, you know, to your point, like I remember there was this Kobe thing where he was like, I would do that repetitively. And um, I signed a contract with myself of like, I'm not going to skip a day. And he, He's like, once you sign the contract, you have to stick with it. And like, he would get up every day. He would do three workouts and he would literally be where he would be at the end of that summer. Even if somebody spent a whole year trying to do that, he would always be like two or three years ahead of them in terms of yeah. how much he grew, how much he knew, how like his body was, how his mind was, how his dietary, like, you know, his diet, all that. Like, and that's to your point, like the 1% better. What is 1.01 to the 365th power exactly? Yeah. You do that math, man, like, that 1% is powerful, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I definitely resonate with the Kobe quote. I think the Mamba mentality, man, is, it's, it's a powerful thing once you uh, yeah. fall in love with the process. Yeah, the, the Mamba mentality, I mean, I don't think anyone will truly ever be able to, like... Replicate that? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, replicate, I think... It'll, it'll never be the sa- in the same way that Kobe sure. did it. He's and Kobe. It's like, it's just, I mean, it's just, you, when you're, when you, you just, yeah. I mean, I, I could go on for days. I mean, just reading about it and yeah. just hearing it. I mean, it's, 
I, I hope like I mean that I I, I really love his his jersey retirement quote because I I mean I, that's just what you got to teach. That's all that really matters. Powerful. Man, so. Sorry about that. Looks like we had some technical difficulties and we kind of lost some of our conversation, but we kind of pivoted from talking about the mama mentality and, you know, getting 1% better, talking about atomic habits into kind of managing expectations and kind of navigate, navigating the divide of expectations from kind of the generation before us and the generation after. So sorry about that, but let's get, get back to it. And I think like it's really good insight because like, They're not, they're not coming from a bad place, you know? It's not a bad thing no. to say that, like, you know, you want, you need, you should have... St- stability is there for a reason. Oh, it's, it's important. important. You know, it's, it's 100% a, important. It's, it's not more. unique to South Asians either. It's just no. a human thing. Um, you know, wanting to get married, wanting to have a family and stuff. Mm. You know, obviously, money is what kind of drives most of our day-to-day lives yeah. in the sense of, like, that you need it. It's, yeah. it's important. The problem is when you put that word expectation... It's like exactly that. That's where it would, when it's when it's something that's nice to have. When it's like a assumed importance versus you need to have this. Like, and I think that's where I think the divide is. Right? Like we, the, the, I think people think that we don't we don't want to get married. That we don't think that civility is important. That money doesn't matter. Like you know that nine to five job is that's I think nine to five is just what we confuse as stability. It's really like 100%. It's not. And then the reality is if you're not happy, that gets taken out on all the other aspects of your life that you think should be important. Exactly. And then you're, you know, I've seen it happen where like if you're not happy with the job that pays you so much money, that causes you to, first of all, if you, if you are, you know, courageous enough to like pursue trying to get mental help, if that's being driven from like being unhappy at your job, then, you know, that's another kind of hurdle in your life that you have to go. Then I'm, I'm not saying if you need, mental health help you should obviously go for it but my point really is like if you're not happy with the current decisions that you're making in your life it doesn't make sense to like make a bad decision for yourself and then they go get help for it they're just gonna tell you fix that decision yeah like and so also then like you know if i'm working so much to make all this money then i'm not treating my my family properly i'm not talking to my family properly yeah then i'm spending money on things that i think will make me happy like all this stuff really just like it goes in circles and I think that was never talked about before like 100% it was you pursue stability versus pursuing passion and that will make you happy and it's like I mean we could we could go all uh, this is so much to go on all 100% that, agree like, with you and especially also like the the topic of, of marriage and stuff too I mean, yeah luckily I mean it's slowly coming for me you know I've got an older brother uh, who's really getting it? I've got a younger sister who's starting to get it too. So like, luckily I'm kind of dodging the bullet a little bit yeah. from my parents. But I mean, like it's no a, you know, the fact that I think, you know, it's it's so frowned upon that like if you're if you're in your 30s and you get married, like, yeah, I don't care, man. Honestly, <laughs> like, there's a time for everybody. Yeah, you know, and it's it should be one. It's what's right for one person. Hundred you know? percent like, agree. Not everyone's gonna find their their high school sweetheart and be able to get married right after college and right. like just, you know, it, it, it's it's such a it's such a concept that I think like I'm just so I'm sometimes so curious like where that disconnect really is driven from. Yeah, yeah. But, I, th- I think a lot of people did the best they could when they got married and whatever. I think at least previous generations, you know, 
I respect it and I appreciate just how much my parents have sacrificed when they had their, their marriage and being able to provide for me and my sister. At the same time, though, I think sometimes what happens is you get married so early in your life, you don't know who you are yet, and you're figuring and doing all that work while you're getting married. Yeah. And there's just a lot of like things that don't get brought up, conversations that don't get had. And then a lot of that trauma bleeds into the next generation because you're the one that's kind of having to deal with that person yeah. like still. So like that's why I advise people to kind of make sure you know who you are first before trying to bring someone else into your life because mm-hmm. like they're not there to like figure out all your problems for you. They're there to support you and to be there yeah. for you and all that. But like you can't put all your stuff on, on one person and expect them to be like, I can't understand or guess what someone's going to say. Like, mm-hmm. I, they have to communicate, you know? Exactly. That's my whole point with this is, like, passive-aggressive communication, just all that sort of stuff. Like, I think it's important to just be clear, be honest about, like, who you are, what you need to work on, and say, like, I will work on this and do it. You know, because I think there's a lot of blame. There's a lot of blame that goes around these days. You want to point at someone else. You don't want to yeah. take accountability. I think the most powerful thing is taking accountability. Yeah. Once you, like, know who you are and you're like, I'm going to work on these things and you'll be a better partner anyway for everybody else. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Yeah. So you, you talked a little bit about like, you know, in the industry, you don't you don't feel like you may, you may not look like anybody else. Like, yeah. How do you think, um, or have you ever felt discrimination like in the entertainment industry because of your ethnicity? Yeah, I, I have. And um, I have a particular story that I just remember. This story is really interesting. So, you know, I started doing music in 2015. And um, I was in college. I was at the tail end of my senior year. And I remember um, there was this girl from this other school who came to our fraternity to hang out with us, some of us. And I think she heard or saw my music or something. I can't remember which one. I think she was good friends with my friend uh, Yusuf. And um, I remember she told him something along the lines of like, I can't take Anish seriously uh, because he's brown or because he's not black. Oof. Right and like, he she told he told me that right, and like, I've also gotten like, very subtle criticisms from other people. Like another friend said, like, I don't really like his timbre or his tone of how he raps. He's too nasally or whatever. I'm like, okay, whatever, fine. Anyway, I hear this stuff left and right every day, and um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful because it shows me. If someone is willing to spend time and energy criticizing me, that, that tells me I'm doing something right, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it is unfortunate, but at the same time, it's people can continue to talk, man. I'm going to continue to work um, and just motivate myself every day. But honestly, like, again, to your point, you can't fault people or blame people because they're only, like, expressing what they know. People only know a black rapper. People only know somebody that sounds a certain way. You know, because that is what it is. People only know a brown doctor. People only know someone, an Asian mathematician, right? Like, these are stereotypes that are obviously not true, but these are things that our society was built on, unfortunately, because of broad generalizations of what people can or can't do based on the color of their skin or how they look, which I think ability comes down to your mentality. If you have the mentality, you will get the ability. And even though there's people that aren't the greatest hip-hop artists or doctors or whatever in the world... They have the work ethic and they have the drive and they'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. To kind of get back to your question, like, I'm not too worried about these criticisms. I think they bothered me at one point. At some point in my life, those things would bother me. Um, I don't know when they were, but like, it was early on in my career. 
like I was not good with criticism and I didn't enjoy it and I didn't appreciate it and it was just tiring and that's why I told you that first like year or two was really hard for me because I wasn't very good I didn't know what I was doing and I feel like that's when I just got a lot of criticism Yeah. and I got through that though and I'm at another phase I'm at another level now in my life so I'm appreciative of it but like yeah man it made me not want to do music at some, at some points and I got very sensitive about it and then like I would get high on the compliments and I would get low on the uh, you yeah. know on the constructive well sometimes not even constructive just the criticism <laughs> so like at this point like I've just become so level headed and probably to a fault where like a good thing or a bad thing doesn't really bother me and if it does like it is what it is at the end of the day like you just have to use it's like the alchemist I haven't read that book but I should but I've heard just alchemy just the idea you take something here that's like not good energy negative energy you transfer it into something positive yeah. Even though, like, because energy never, like, disappears. It, it can be here, and then it just moves. It's just transfer. Yeah. Transfer the energy into some positive. If you're upset with somebody, make it into a song. You yeah. know, whatever it is. Write your art. You know, do whatever you need to take to, like, make it positive. So, like, for me, whenever I hear these things, it just makes me laugh. I smile at it. I'm like, okay, whatever, cool. I'm glad you have the time to criticize me. And that just shows, like, you know, I'm, I'm living rent-free in your head. And, like, you know, whatever. Good luck. I hope you... I hope I can shed some self-awareness to you that you can use to realize like you're wrong about this and I'll put I'll be able to put you in check at some point but hey man you like I can't tell you how many people that like hated me or hated my music or didn't like what I was doing that are now fans that yeah. are now like oh wow like he's blowing up or whatever I mean I'm not blowing up but like you know I've made progress and people have yeah. seen that and they're like cool and to be honest I'm appreciative of that. I'm like, thank you. I respect them for being like, yo, like you're you're really good at this, and it takes a lot. It takes a, a a big person to like admit like that like they were wrong about me. That you know they're they're like you're you're really good now or whatever. Which is which is fine. I mean, it is their opinion, and I think for me like I love seeing the ability for me to be able to convert people from disbelievers to firm believers. Uh -huh. You know, and I think um, that that's happened a lot, and I think. It's not like I'm like, oh, like, you know, I'm going to dismiss them and I don't, you know, want them to, like, come to my side of being a fan of me. I'm fine. I'm like, fine. Like, you know, I understand it. At some point, there was no, you learn more information and you make a different decision. I get it. At the same time, though, I'll tell you this. You don't want to, like, surround yourself with everybody. You want to be selective about who you have in your circle. Yeah. Because <laughs> even though, like, people can be fans of you, you can keep them at a distance because, like, yeah. you don't want to just have any energy in your circle because I've... I unfortunately like was not very selective at some point and just I like, let anyone in my circle and I think like the wrong energy can really slow things down for you and screw you up so that's where I'm just like I'm appreciative of my fans I'm appreciative of everybody that's listening to my music I don't take it for granted at the same time um, I spend a lot of time just focusing on myself and I don't try to get bogged down too much because I think you can just spend all day worrying about how people feel about your music looking reading comments and social media yeah. thinking through all that stuff Hey man, I just I'm appreciative of it. At the same time, I just try to you know keep my distance a little bit and just do my thing. So. Do you hear like from people on social media stuff like? So I mean, criticism to your face is one thing, but when people criticize you from behind a wall, like, a lot of it is actually on social media, and a lot yeah. of it is to other people, but not to me directly. Okay. And like, I would respect you a lot if you were like, hey, like I don't really like your music in my to my face. I would I would like that. I'd appreciate it. But like, I feel like people just hide. Yeah. You confront them about it, they don't want to talk about it. I'm like, oh yeah. 
So you're going to talk tough, but when I actually ask you something, like eye to eye, you're not going to. And that's why I'm like, this is a whole conversation about our generation not maybe having the most, not everybody, but I just encounter a lot of people just not with that emotional maturity sometimes to tell yeah. you how they feel in person. Maybe it's just a human thing because maybe it's a human thing. You don't want to express your feelings because you want to, you know, you don't want to create tension or conflict, but whatever. I mean, I think there's ways to do it that are smart. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all in balance, right? Like, I think there's some people out there that will... Like, like my, my mom always... Like, my, my mom is someone who is not very confrontational. Yeah. And I think, you know... And I feel... And it sucks because I've seen people take advantage of her because of that. Yeah, for sure. And then her response will always be kind of like... You know, she gets kind of like feedback from, you know, from other people in our family that are like, you're, you're too nice. Like, you... People, people only like you because you don't say like what you truly feel. And my mom's response is like, well, of course. I mean, I'm not going to go tell someone that they're ugly or that they're fat. Of course they're going to hate me. Like, how would you respond if somebody said that? He has a way to do it, though. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, those are trivial things. But, you know, things like when we get disrespected, then you have to put up and you have to stand up. You'd be like, hey, like, you know, I didn't really like this, so I'm just letting you know. Like, yeah. You know, you should think about how you – exactly. Yeah. Like, there's ways to do it that aren't like – belligerent you know exactly yeah like balance is like the most important thing really so like i I really like a lot of these attributes about you but like for this you know this is something that you know you should just be aware of Mm -hmm. and uh, hey man i respect people when they're honest with me because i'm i like to be the same way you know and you're not gonna take it you're not gonna immediately take it well because i think sometimes it's hard to take criticism well but just digesting and listening to it at least but also like not letting the wrong people get in your ear too yeah I mean that's that's the biggest thing too, and I think right? I, I really like what you said about like you don't need to keep everyone in your circle. Nah, you you got to keep the energy, and like I think one thing I'm starting to learn too, um, kind of as I start navigating some of this stuff is like you you definitely don't want people in your life that make you feel like you need them, and 100%. like that like being friends with them or being around them or being connected to them or it's like. That you should feel th- like you you sh- you should be thankful that I mean like you should friend. chase nobody. Yeah, I'm with you. And like, that's I mean that's something that like I've seen kind of recently where it's like, why, like why like like what are you? Yeah, sure you have connections. Yeah, sure you may know some people, but like, why do I why I don't owe you anything? You know? No, absolutely like, not. And I'm not gonna be successful just because you help. Like if you help me, like I'll always I'll always accept help and always be grateful for help. Hundred percent. But help is different than like your own personal success like nobody gets like it's an assumed fact that like nobody gets somewhere by themselves like everyone has some sort of help and you ha- right. and to your point you have to know who the right people are that are going to give you the help you exactly. can just take help from a b and c right yeah. but at the same time like you know i'm always about a good perspective like what do you have okay cool appreciate it yeah i've heard this 50 times but i appreciate <laughs> it i'm not going to tell them that but like okay you yeah. know no for sure just let people talk and you know just internalize what you want to internalize pick and choose you know and it, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier too like having that test period of like building a team like oh yeah so dope dude that's great man that's 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 a good point too so you know I want to also kind of just kind of touch a little bit on like some of your experience in India and yeah. like you know you know like there's cult- a lot of cultural diversity in yeah. India and I kind of want to hear like if that plays a role a little bit in your lyrics if like religion plays a role in your in your life or in your music or anything yeah no I I made this EP like when I started doing music it was called ABCD yeah and um it was just about like just the journey of being an artist in America and like having 
that kind of root in India, obviously the Indian roots and just having to like constantly battle and just balance those two things. Yeah. And, um, I haven't been back to India in a while. I, I got very sick last time and almost, almost died. So oh, it's been dang. like 20 years, but, um, at the same time, man, I'm grateful and appreciative of just like what my grandparents and their like parents have done for my parents so that I could have the life that I, you know, I aspire to. So yeah, man, culture is important to me. The ABCDEP really just like, it touches on my mom and my dad and just what they've done for me. It touches on my heritage of just like being a Indian here in the US. It t- talks about the cultural like st- stress between like having family in India and being here in the US and having to balance like feeling re- like maybe regretful or like, you know, like feeling bad that you're here and you're doing well and they're back there still and you're trying to support them and help them. Yeah. And then just like, that whole experience of just the dichotomy of the, the two cultures is, um, you know, something that I speak about in my music. And I don't know, man, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to do my part to shed light on just being appreciative of the heritage and just being appreciative of the sacrifices that our ancestors had for us and yeah. just doing more, you know, just to empower the community. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's like, it's always like, so like surreal to kind of realize the sacrifices like you're like your grandparents or your grandparents have made. I mean, I think, you know, I'm I'm in the U.S. because, you know, so my, my dad was, you know, I was born in the U.S. because, you know, my dad was doing his Ph.D., but, you know, my, my mom's family came to the U.S. and, like, my grandfather basically gave up, like, his whole life in India to really, like, my, my uncle was 17 and he wanted to make it happen to bring them all to the U.S. and, mm. like, to this day, I mean, that's what my my mom, my grandparents are like the most proud of is that like at seventeen he did that, mm. and you know like my and now you know, my grandfather passed in twenty thirteen and they were the one thing my uncle always says is like I, I didn't realize until very late like what he gave up to bring us here like hundred percent he gave up his job his friends his feeling of community hundred percent to really come to a place where. I mean, he didn't work when he came. He couldn't. He couldn't get a job and stuff. And I mean, that's that's hard. So like, it's sacrifice. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Does the um, does the term ABCD ever offend you? No. No. There's not a lot of things in this world that offend me <laughs> anymore because I've heard and seen it all. Yeah. No. I mean, that's good. I for I was, sure. I was actually you know Indian matchmaking season three is on and like one of the one of the. Is that what they said in that? I need to watch that. I well, she said she didn't want three. to come across as an ABCD. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not knocking her for for that. But I'm like, I was thinking about like, yeah, you know, the way that was used, huh? Well, no, no, no. It was just more like you know the word, the C confused, right? Yeah. Like, so usually, I mean, that term I don't think was made out of endearment. I think it was made with like a negative connotation about Indians grown and brought up in the U.S. Yeah. But the reality is, is like. I was thinking about this, like, I mean, I am pretty confused sometimes, like, about, for sure. like, for sure. it is pretty hard sometimes, like, communicating what I kind of grew up with, like, with my friends and family, my friends and stuff in school, especially when it comes to dating and relationships. 100%. And then communicating that with my mom when she's just like, what do you mean? Like, you're 27. I mean, you're not married yet. And it's like, oh, yeah, because it's a switch, you know? It's like communicating those things to them is like that's hard that's man. where I realized like yeah I think actually it's pretty accurate is what wow. it is so we have a lot of very common experiences across our generation here yeah. and you'd be I'm, I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised but it's it's a lot of the same sort of stories and traumas yeah. and good things and obviously you know shortcomings as well so yeah exactly I mean it's all it's all just good fun at this point yeah for sure so, um, 
yeah, I don't know. I, I think ABCD is... I, I talked to somebody about this. I think groups and stereotypes and all that is fine because it's easy to like put things in groups and categorize them and it simplifies things, but sometimes it oversimplifies things, you know? Yeah. I'm not just an ABCD. You're not just an ABCD, but you know. Exactly. People yeah. will say that just to simplify and categorize. And, yeah. Which is... It's how you take it, so... Yeah, no, dude, it's it's all good fun. I mean, yeah. So. All right, man. Well, dude, this it's been it's been a pleasure having you. And before we, before we kind of wrap up, totally, I kind of want to hear um, from you, like, what you think would be like a really good South Asian non South Asian duo. Yeah, man, totally. Um, Roger Kamari is one of my favorite artists. I would love to hear her with a with J Cole. With J Cole, her and J That'd Cole would kill because she she can sing, she can rap. And um, she can write really well, and his pen game is crazy too. So I mean, I think the two of them, yeah, I could I could see a hit with the two of them. Okay. Um. So yeah, man, that's that would that would be my answer. But you know, I I think there's just so many great artists. I think we will see more collabs in the future now yeah. that everything's opened up in the industry. And I think too, like it's it's I think it's the same way. A lot of people here who don't understand Spanish really enjoy like Spanish features and like reggaeton features totally. and rap and stuff totally I, I really think that that will start happening with like Indian music and like Hindi Punjabi Telugu like I mean also, also there's this 100%. song that um it's by these two sisters in India it's called Bataga Gudi oh you gotta yeah. send that to me I hope I didn't I butcher it I don't think <laughs> but, I've seen that I've um, heard that but they I mean DJs are like dropping it now like, okay, like yeah, that, you have in to like sets that. and stuff yeah for sure I mean but I would love to see, I mean, Garas is so Sidney Mithuala, if he had performed oh, with Drake. Yeah, man. I know um, they were friends, too, so. Yeah, and I think, I'm sure it was coming, too. Yeah, I think there was something. Maybe it'll still, maybe it'll still get, come out, you know? Yeah, like, we'll maybe see. he's able to do some sort of, yeah. like, feature. Some yeah. post, post, exactly. Yeah, but post then I was also thinking, like, Chainsmokers and AP Delon. That would be fun, too. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, the, 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 I mean, the, the yeah, the, the combinations are endless. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be it'll be lit, man. Whenever it happens, so. Mm. So, anyway, man, dude, thank you, thank you so much, man. I mean, I learned so much just sitting here talking with you. It's been a pleasure hearing from you, man. I love listening to music, and uh, definitely hope to bring you around more and uh, get you on more. Yeah, man, thank you for having me. Um, appreciative of this, and uh, anyone listening that wants to check out or follow my music, um, you know, you can do so by my name is uh, Anish. It's A apostrophe N I C H E. You can find me on Spotify, Apple Music. My handles, all my social media handles are Anish Music, A-N-I-C-H-E-M-U-S-I-C. And um, Anish Music is also my website, anishmusic.com. I got merch. I got some shows I'm sure I'll I'll be having coming up. And, um, you know, I'll be dropping some more music this year. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. And, yeah, man, thank you so much for having me. This was a a blast. Let's do this again. And, um, yeah, this is some good conversation today. I learned a lot from you as well, so I appreciate you. Appreciate it, man. All right, thanks, y'all.